I can't imagine most sisters have been through either of those experiences, either pregnancy or abortion. Although, I mean, you, you truly do never know, but mm-hmm. how are, how are you able to walk with women who are going through an experience that's probably so different from your own? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, you know, honestly for us, it is such a privilege because, wow. you know, mirror is there's, there's really no difference between that woman and me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Crab on the Cross podcast. I'm your host, Mary Rose, and my guest today is Sister Mary Grace from the Sisters of Life. The past two weeks, you have gotten double episodes with very cerebral, intellectual conversations talking about the philosophy of education. So this week, you're getting a short and sweet episode that I think goes straight to the heart. I think the Sisters of Life do pro-life ministry really well because they tackle the problem of abortion at its root. The root cause of abortion is not its legality. Women don't obtain abortions simply because they are illegal. Women would not obtain abortions if they didn't believe they were going to fulfill some sort of need or desire. Um, the root cause of abortion is not even pregnancy itself. The root cause of abortion is this pervasive idea in our culture that human life is contingent. Contingent upon its usefulness, its productivity, what it can do. And that makes it easy to look at a child in the womb and say, well, it's not doing anything. It's just there taking up space and resources. And I think that belief can even carry over to pregnant women. Many women feel like their value is diminished while pregnant because they can't do as much. Um, And even in the pro-life movement, we can sometimes over-idealize pregnancy and say like, oh, it's so wonderful. You have a baby growing inside of you. And it's true, but... A lot of women suffer tremendously while they're pregnant precisely because of their pregnancy, you know, and so as much as we love to say, like, pregnancy won't stop you from achieving your goals and dreams, it's it's also important to remind people that their life is still valuable even if they can't fulfill their goals and dreams. And I think it's good that the Sisters of Life also combine pro-life work with evangelization because this is an explicitly theological worldview. You know, from a materialist perspective, all lives aren't equally valuable. Some people can and do contribute more to society and some people don't contribute very much at all. But a theological worldview says our goodness and our value are not contingent upon what we can do. We are good and valuable simply because we exist, because we are, um, because God made us. And, And I think a lot of women seek abortions because not not only do they feel like their child's gonna be a burden, but they feel like they themselves are going to be a burden. And so I think the Sisters of Life um, really are doing a lot of work to heal that that worldview that even a lot of pro-life people can suffer from. So definitely check them out, support them in any way that you can, and support this podcast by subscribing, rating, reviewing, sharing. I'd love for you to share. Um, and following on Instagram at The Crab and the Cross or following me on Twitter at Mary Rose Depp. All right, and now here is my conversation with Sister Mary Grace. Sister Mary Grace grew up on the shores of Sydney, Australia, and graduated from the University of Notre Dame, Australia with a degree in theology. Captivated by the beauty of each human life and feeling compelled to lay down her life to protect it, she worked for the campus ministry team, 
before entering the Sisters of Life in 2013. Sister Mary Grace made her first vows in 2018 and spent the past three years in Toronto, Canada, serving vulnerable pregnant women and their unborn children, inviting those wounded by abortion into the healing mercy of Jesus and offering retreats. She currently resides at St. Francis de Chantel Convent in the Bronx, New York, serving as the director of the evangelization mission, which coordinates the sharing of the charism of life and fostering a culture of life throughout the U.S. and worldwide. She's also the co-host of the Sisters of Life podcast, Let Love. Sister Mary Grace, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Oh my gosh, Mary Rose, such a gift. Good to be with you. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. Technology um, is always a risk with us, so this I know. is impressive. <laughs> um, so you've been all around the world and you're, you're from Australia. <laughs> the Sisters of Life were founded in New York. So yes. how on earth did you first encounter them? You know, I ask the same kind of question. How on earth did I get here? <laughs> it's awesome. Listen, if if the Lord has a has a calling, he finds uh, ways to make his voice be heard in our hearts. And that's totally what he did for me. I was uh, 18. I did not grow up with sisters or religious. So this had never crossed my mind. Uh, I didn't dream of it. I wasn't afraid of it. I just didn't even know it existed. Yeah. Uh, and when I was 18, a whole group of sisters of life came out to Sydney, Australia for World Youth Day. And, you know, I did not talk to a sister. I didn't, um, didn't even approach one. Didn't, I can't remember a word she said, but I was, I really encountered Jesus in them. And I saw women who were in love with Christ and it was causing them to come alive. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was something that I wanted as an 18 year old, you know, lining up for university and looking for my own future and degree. What they did, seeing them in love with God kind of reawoke this desire in my own heart to really know this God who is alive and making a difference in their lives. Uh, and so when I saw it in them, it was kind of the first time I, I kind of, you know, went to the next level of my faith and, and took yeah. it a little more seriously, but I didn't know it was going to lead me all the way over here. <laughs> <laughs> God knows he, he's, he's very patient with us one step at a time. Wow. So yeah. then I guess a little bit after college, when you started discerning religious life, did the, yes. the life just pop back immediately in your mind? Yeah, you know, it really kind of never left my heart. It was almost like the Lord made me aware of a seed of grace, of a call of vocation that, you know, I received at baptism and mm -hmm. it kind of was like sprung to life when I met them as an 18 year old. And then, you know, it was the, like this persistent knocking in the, in my inner heart that, uh, you know, every time I went to prayer, it wasn't that the sisters came up, but that this desire was awoken to, to, to live entirely for Jesus and to, um, and what I didn't realize was this is the way my heart was created, which is a beautiful and surprising thing to discover. Terrifying at times. <laughs> but that probing kind of like remained in my heart, especially when I would actually began a regular prayer life uh, yeah. that that I actually desired deep down to live totally for Jesus and for him and with him and 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 give him away. And then after five years of kind of I studied and I worked for the university of campus ministry and that desire to to love Jesus and um and to live entirely for his love only grew, in all honesty. Uh, and then so I decided to, yeah, just reach out to the sisters and ask them what in the world is going on in my heart. <laughs> and they really helped me listen to his voice, actually, and respond in freedom. Yeah. It's so interesting to me mm. because sometimes people describe their vocation as like, oh, this is what I was made for all along and it just clicks. And other people are, are like shocked to find themselves in a religious vocation or a priestly vocation. They're like, yeah, I've never in a million years thought I would find myself here, but, but this is Amen. where God, God had me. So 
it's just always fascinating yes. the the different ways that the Holy Spirit moves. It's never uniform. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's dynamic and uh, as unique as there are as many hearts, honestly. Yeah. And it's really, yeah, listening to the way the Lord speaks to me uh, and, and trusting our hearts uh, desires and that, um, you know, ultimately God's will is for our good and flourishing. And sometimes he can reveal that to us in a way that we never expected or anticipated. Uh, but for me, it was, it was learning to trust that God had good plans for me. Yeah. Uh, even if it's the most unexpected or fast stretching <laughs> right, right. idea that comes to really trust him and let him, let him reveal our vocations to us. Uh, Cause yeah. the pressure's on him really, which is the good news. It is. It, is. it took yeah. me a while to get that, but I was like, oh, this is a call, not a, not, not a, I don't not know, a, a, a wait, I got a letter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, God yeah. is, God is good. Are, are there mm -hmm. any other Australian sisters in the community? There are actually, yeah, there's another uh, sister who's actually serving in Canada. And she entered a few years after me. She also met the Sisters of Life in World Youth Day, Sydney. Okay. Uh, because, yeah, witness is powerful. You know, we have to see something at times to know that's what we're looking for oh absolutely so she's so yeah there's two of us at the moment but and if god if god brings more aussie souls um yeah you know, they add to that number but two of us at the moment we go okay. we, we got to go in slowly only so much they can handle <laughs> <sighs> wow yeah tell me a little bit about some of the different apostolates that the sisters of life do i know i mentioned cool. multiple things in your in your bio but what yes what is the work mm. of the sisters of life absolutely um, gosh, you know, throughout all the history of the church, it's really amazing. You see at different moments uh, throughout the history of the church, different needs of the times arise, you know, and, and God inspires, convicts souls, hearts, all of us to respond to a particular need. And at times when responding to that need, the Holy Spirit will give to souls a, what we call like a charism, which is... Um, you know, a gift of the Holy Spirit to respond to a need uh, that might be lacking in the time or a potential to manifest uh, God's good news in some ways. So about over 30 years ago in 1991, the community of the Sisters of Life was founded. And really it was a, it was founded after our founder, Cardinal O'Connor, who was an Archbishop of New York, noticed that in our day and age, there is a great need for the sacredness of every human life to be restored that we were losing sight of the value and inherent dignity of every human life, not just because it's alive and beating, but that because every human life is actually a unique and unrepeatable manifestation of God's glory, but of God himself, that you and I, we actually bear a reflection of God that has not ever been revealed in the world and will never be revealed by any other person, that every human life is good and not only good, but sacred, like really tremendously sacred and a lot of us don't know that or yeah. um or it's easy to forget you know going through the daily uh, humdrum of life or, or seeing the battles or difficulties or darkness in the world it's very easy to be tempted to take our lives cheaply or the lives of others um so he was kind of inspired to raise up a community of women that would lay down their lives to serve those most in need of uh this truth which includes ourselves as sisters so we, first and foremost, we're brides of Jesus Christ. So we lay our life down uh, for God who is like himself and um, have a first mission of prayer. So we constantly pray, fast, and intercede um, for every human person, that includes you and me, that they may know and be restored to the truth of their goodness. So we're really a community um, for you. 
actually. We exist for the human person and everyone we encounter. Um, and then we also have several of the missions that spring from that. So we serve uh, women in crisis pregnancies and how we serve them is we come alongside them uh, and in solidarity, remind this woman and help her to undersee the gift and the goodness of her own life first, that she is capable um, of gifts entrusted to her, that she is good no matter what she's done, uh, no matter what failures or successes she has in her life, that she is sacred uh, and she's more capable often than she realizes. So we kind of come alongside her and, and encourage and love her. And we found in our missions, when a woman knows she is loved, she's absolutely unstoppable. New horizons open up, dreams come out again. Uh, so we really kind of just uphold and walk alongside women, especially in difficult moments. Uh, and then we also have a mission um, of uh, accompaniment for women who have suffered the experience of abortion uh, to help them see and believe that there is no sin greater than God's mercy. His mercy is infinite and ever available and actually constantly offered to us at every moment in our life, especially uh, when we sin and do things that we regret or um, or stray away that the Lord is pursuing us and desires us to come to life uh, and to be loved uh, and received in the places where we hurt or have shame or regret. Uh, so that's a beautiful ministry to see women come alive as they hope again um, in a new beginning. And then we also do a lot of other different ministries, including, uh, yeah, retreats for men and women of all ages. Uh, we have an evangelization mission, which I'm involved in, and that's kind of just sharing this good news all over the world, podcast, website, things like that. Um, yeah, so a bit of that, but constantly kind of finding ways uh, to remind every heart that they are good and known. Yeah, I yeah. think that's something that a lot of people wrestle with because mm -hmm. to say that your life, like, like to say that every human person is sacred, uh, yes. a lot of people think, well, they have to be holy to be sacred. And so if they're mm -hmm. not holy, their life isn't mm -hmm. sacred, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's such a lie in the world that we have to earn our worth. Yeah. Earn our worth or that um, our worth is conditional on the way we live or the successes that we have, what kind of money we earn or who our friends are, that I'm only worthy if I, you know, uh, make it through school or get a certain type of job or have a kind of particular, I don't know, background or um, I have certain gifts and talents that prove my lovability. And that is just not true. It's actually a lie. And in God's sight, it's like just the fact that you exist is sacred, is precious. Um, and that actually God does not want to instrumentalize any of us for any particular reason. Yeah. The whole reason we're here is because he wants to share his goodness and life with us. Um, and that I think in our day and age is getting harder and harder to believe. Um, but at the same time too, you know, where there is darkness, uh, the light is brighter, you know. Um, so opening our hearts to this truth when we struggle with it, God is generous in convincing us of our lovability if, if we turn our, our gaze to him um, and be restored in these truths that really just set us free to be ourselves, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Um, and, and I think sometimes even as Christians, we can get that wrong mm -hmm. because we will talk about how God wants to use you, your God's an instrument, you know, in, in a way that it almost yeah. seems like God is the puppet master. And so when you when you frame the sisters of life and, and the first thing you mentioned is not what you do, but just who you are as mm -hmm. God, um, who are just images of, you know, the sacredness of life. Like, I think it's so important to put that yes. 
Absolutely. And that's actually, that's where the mission takes care of itself. Like the more and more you and I live from the truth of our identity, that we are beloved sons and daughters of, of God, our father, who wants to provide for us, um, that we are loved no matter what, that we are taken care of, that we're in his hands, uh, that we're chosen and known by him personally, which we all grow in uh, receiving these truths. The more and more we live from that foundational reality that is constantly being manifested in every beat of our hearts and every breath that we take, we're totally dependent on God. We come alive in this truth. The pressure is off. Yeah. There is less and less um, concern about what I'm doing and more and more freedom in who I am. And as we live and grow into that identity, which is a lifelong journey for all of us, what we see is like we cannot help but share that truth or the light that we're receiving from God and living more and more freely in that truth. People notice it. People recognize it and they want that. They're drawn to it. Or, um, yeah, knowing that we are loved affects our whole being, how we treat other people, the kindness in which we speak. Uh, God begins to fill us and take over as we open our hearts to him. And in that way, it's kind of like the mission just is a recipient of the overflow of what we receive first from God, uh, which is beautiful just to think that, yeah, God does not have an agenda with you and me. He He's all about you being you. And that is good news to hear. And we need to be reminded of, right? It is, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So how do the women come in contact with the sisters? Like, are you mm. outside of abortion clinics or, or how mm-hmm. do you make them how like aware of what you do yeah absolutely good question you know it's a mystery uh they come in um from all different ways um I mean obviously as sisters we kind of stand out by what we're wearing which is helpful but honestly most of the women I from that we receive from more vulnerable pregnancies or who may be feeling very fearful or alone in their journey a lot of them will hear about us through friends that have received accompaniment from our mission we also have um a whole mission of what we call co-workers of life. And that's men and women, all ages, professions, backgrounds, um, students, retired people, medical professionals that are, that sign up to be a part of this mission. And they're really our arms and our feet in the world. And they are people that just believe in the same truths that we do as sisters and reach places that honestly, frankly, we as sisters can't go uh, physically. And they... Um, you know, it's the college student that finds out her friend's pregnant on campus and will say to her, hey, I know these sisters that can help you out. Would you would you be interested in speaking to them? Or a medical professional that knows someone who is in a difficult pregnancy and is in need of more resources and help. Or, um, you know, a, a mother whose, um, you know, daughter gets in a difficult situation is need of support. It's, it's kind of by word of mouth that we often get um, in contact with people. Yeah. Also, a lot of a lot of uh, priests will recommend women to reach out to us, whether that's through assistance through their pregnancy, their family needs, or um, to engage a, a deeper uh, path of healing from their abortion. Uh, will reach out to us and ask if they can uh, journey with us. Um, and then, yes, we we know a lot of people too that that do frequently um, witness outside of abortion clinics and will offer women an opportunity to be supported because because women often will find themselves at an abortion clinic because they feel like they have no choice, yeah. you know? And that is a lie. Women women have a choice. There are people that are willing to be with them, to love them. And often these people at the clinics will try to speak to a woman and, and ask her, you know, would you, would you be open to some support, which is always a surprising and beautiful offer. So a lot of women do turn around at a clinic 
not knowing that there are people for her that are not going to judge her, not going to condemn her or criticize her, but literally open a door and say, welcome, we will listen to you. You are not alone. Um, so a lot of women, we, we meet that way as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would imagine like, it's such a, a unique experience to, to not only be pregnant, but then to have to contemplate if you can carry that pregnancy through. And, and like you said, you've, you know, counseled many women who are post-abortive. Mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine most sisters have been through either of those experiences, either pregnancy or abortion. Although, I mean, you, you truly do never know, but mm -hmm. how are, how are you able to walk with women who are going through an experience that's probably so different from your own? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, for us, it is such a privilege because, wow. you know, Mary Rose, there's, there's really no difference between that woman and me, you know, that we're all sinners. <laughs> we're all, um, you know, human hearts looking for a savior and in, in need of Jesus to come in and, and show us the way forward. Um, and yes, although this woman's situation might be different from mine, practically speaking, her life experience is different. At the end of the day, both of our hearts are seeking the same God and are in need of healing and hope again. And it's amazing to find not so much how different we are, but really how united we are in the same search and the same thirst and desire to be known and loved and um, not alone in whatever situation we get in. And and as sisters, you know, um, we're, we have a deep contemplative prayer life and we're constantly, you know, opening our hearts uh, to the Lord in our own prayer. And he's constantly redeeming and purifying and, and making his love and power known. And we see that in our own hearts and we get to see um, the privilege of the Lord showing up in women's hearts that we serve too. We walk alongside them and every day they might be the darkest of situations on the outside. You know, a woman is overwhelmed with financial responsibilities, can't take another child or has suffered an abortion and doesn't know a way forward. And the privilege it is to walk close to these women and together look up and, and beg for the Lord's um, company, ask for him to find us a way forward and to see time and time again, his fidelity and his love to these heroic women that trust, that are taking a new bold act of trust, even by contacting us. Um, by opening their hearts to the Lord, by seeking help. It's really an inspiration to us sisters, for us to trust again in our own hearts and our own lives. Um, so we're really, it's it's coming alongside her um, because we we just like her are in need of God's guidance and strength. Um, but yeah. beautiful time and time again to see the Lord's promises fulfilled in each woman we walk with. And we need to see it as sisters, the Lord show up. Um, and he does. So to stand there and, and to, to help her see that, to look up with her um, is such a privilege. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that because, you know, the, the premise of my question is that there's such a wide chasm between a consecrated mm -hmm. celibate religious and a pregnant or post-abortive woman. But your mm -hmm. answer is that there's really not, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's the same same struggles in different forms or, mm -hmm. um, same desires, mm -hmm. um, lived out in a different way. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's powerful. I mean, uh, the gift that we bring is consecrated is that um, for some reason, God has allowed us to uh, really experience his power and, and choice of a soul to belong entirely to him, which is our, which is our consecration that we are brides of Christ and belong to him now on earth, that everything that he is Lord of our hearts and lives. Um, 
but you know what we live as consecrated every soul is um destined for in heaven that's his story for every human life and it's fascinating that the lord chooses you know religious women to walk alongside these women not to make this chasm of like look at us and look at you but rather to remind to every soul like god has chosen you as his beloved and he's on pursuit for you and he's not waiting for you to get your life together he's waiting for you to let him in because your destiny too what he wants to do with you is he wants to draw you to himself and espouse you know his love to you forever in heaven and every single soul god has willed not only for for fullness of life in this life but he desires you for eternity um and as consecrated religious we have this gift to not only help them practically and resources but to remind every heart you are made for heaven and that also doesn't have to wait till then god wants a intimate relationship with you right now and he's not waiting you to get your life together or to have a total clean history for that to begin right in the middle of your mess right in the middle of your mystery right in the middle of everything going wrong god loves you and not just generically but you personally and he wants you for himself so to witness to that as consecrated is such a gift um, to call them higher, to, to let them know that um, God desires this love for them too. Yeah. Do you find that women are very receptive to that or do they have a lot of resistance to something that sounds almost too good to be true? Mm. Yeah. It's hard to believe in these truths these days. <laughs> oh <my> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, and it's an act of faith for us as religious too. You know, you don't enter the convent and the struggle is over rather. It kind of just begins <laughs> to believe these truths and you and more deeply. And um, yeah, the Lord has, has deep promises and for us um, and he invites us on a journey of trust and faith. And, and at times it can be a stretch, but praise God, it's not on these women either to make this huge leap of faith on their own, but that he really, um, yeah, he gives the grace. That's all I can say. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of this one woman I uh, walked with a couple of years ago and, um, you know, she was not Catholic, uh, not practicing uh, her Christian faith. And when she came to us, she was in a crisis pregnancy. But you know what, what resurrected in her heart? The first phone call we spoke to her, she went through all the lists of things she needed. You know, she needed a new babysitter. The mortgage on the house was breaking through. She needed a new job. It's like she had this huge list of real and practical needs that she needed to seriously consider before even thinking about having another child. And at the end of that list, she said, but you know, sister, what I want most, she's like, I actually want to know is God's promises for real. He makes these bold statements in scripture. Like he will fulfill us that I'm his beloved, that, um, that he is, yeah, that he is faithful. And she's like, right now, my life does not look like that, but she's like, in the midst of this, my heart wants them to be true. She's like, is he for real? And so her pregnancy began this journey of what she would describe. It was like God was asking her in her heart through this crisis pregnancy, really. Are you willing to trust me again? You know, do you trust me? And, and that was <clears throat> her experience of bringing all her problems, her dramas to the Lord. And instead of trying to fix them herself and get there and make, just force this belief in her head, all of a sudden it put her into a position of receptivity and need and, and deep poverty. But actually when we turn that place to the Lord, instead of trying to rely on ourselves, we see him show up. We give him space to um, answer that. We give him room to move and it's a vulnerable place to be. Um, but when women, it's stunning when women turn their hearts to the Lord and ask God to be faithful to the promises he makes, he is, and he shows in different ways. And, 
you know, by the end of her pregnancy, actually, she um, was able to land a new job. Um, and actually, during her pregnancy, one of her lifelong dreams as a teenager was to become a paramedic. And she had never um, been able to pursue that. But because of her pregnancy and being in touch with us, we're able to help her um, get uh, this placement on a paramedic program. And by the end of her pregnancy, she not only had another child, but she was on her way to becoming a paramedic, which is awesome, and finished with honors. And so the Lord like totally blew even her own dreams <laughs> out of what she was asking. He answered her double time. And we see that time and time again, you know, that the pressure is not on these women to believe necessarily, but just, um, or to believe in their mind, but to open their hearts uh, to God's providence, even, even to have the faith to believe in what he's saying, that when we turn to him, he picks up the weight and makes it possible. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Which is a lesson for all of us. <laughs> it really, I mean, it really is. You're yeah. speaking in my heart right yeah. now. <laughs> and me too. I'm reminding myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I know we're almost out of time here. So I'll just sure, sure. ask one more question. Um, maybe sort of a two-part question. Um, cool. What What is the heart of pro-life ministry? And, you know, there's a lot of activism out there uh, on both sides, but do you see something that is missing from a lot of other pro-life activists that you think you know is really found in the heart of pro-life ministry mm, good question <clears throat> I think at the heart of it is the truth that not only life is sacred and precious but that every human life is is loved by God that um, the very reason we're here is not just to exist and make a good life out of what we have, but that every beat we have, everything, you know, why we breathe our next breath is because we are beloved by God. That, um, that the God who calls himself and has revealed himself to us as love um, has willed before our hearts even began to be that you and I be, that we exist. Um, and I think that the more we can actually ourselves sit back and rest in this truth that I am beloved, that I'm known and chosen, and that every human life is a result of God's willing choice that we be, it affects everything we do in ministry. That this woman isn't a problem to be fixed. She's a heart to be loved. Yeah. That, um, uh, yeah, this dramatic situation isn't something to solve or handle, or I don't have to win this battle. I, I'm i in being invited into new, a new level of love because this is a person before me. It's not just an issue. These yeah. are women's hearts and lives that we're talking about. Um, and if we can return to the heart of the matter, which I would say is that every human life is loved and lovable and worthy of love, uh, then that kind of postures our heart and our mission, even the day-to-day -day admin in a different life, that we are being called to love life again. And when life knows it is loved, the horizon is possible, whatever, whatever it is, no matter how dark or bright it is, when I know I'm loved, I can take another step forward. And that's something we hope to offer every single woman we meet. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm. Um, and, and I think it, it's, it's refreshing too, because we can get caught up on like the numbers of the problem. Totally. There's so many abortions every year. There's so many women in need. There's so much, yes. just, and then it, when we quantify it, it seems impossible, yeah. uh, but in a way you, you almost reduce it down to one. It's one heart right in front of me. It's one person right in front of me. And then that's something that is, you know, 
doable. Yeah, absolutely. And we do as Christians, we live in hope, no matter what, how dark it gets, you know, um, victories are important to see. And we desire, you know, the end of the abortion, of course, because we desire that no woman ever be hurt, that women, that women deserve better than abortion, actually. We want to keep the stakes high and, and we want to invest everything. But at the same time, too, we serve in, in confidence and hope that the battle has actually already been won, you know, and we do our best and we do our little lousy best, <laughs> knowing that God is going to make use of even our little efforts um, and that we just love as much as we can. Because uh, really, at the end of the day, this is this is the Lord's battlefield and it's a privilege to be part of it. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Well, yeah. this has been wonderful. You've, you've brought just peace and joy to my own heart. And I'm so excited to share this with others. Um, thank oh, you. Oh, to be with you, Mary Rose. Yeah, yeah I know you have to too. run. It's so good. Hey, it was, it, was, it was a beautiful half hour, but thank, thank you for asking you. us. We'll keep Happy. you in our prayers. All right, God bless. All right, God bless you. Bye.